Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome, and this is Cindy Meyer, your radio show host for the weekly Cindy Meyer Spirit Seeker Hour. Each week we bring you guests that are doing the work, the front lines, you know, they're, they're authors, they are healers, they're just different people who are studying the wonderful way that the mind, body, and spirit works. So we have been bringing Spirit Seeker Magazine to our readers for 20 years. You can read us at www.spiritseeker.com. We have been online since 1998, but we have been a print magazine that you can still hold in your hands in the Midwest. So you can find it in all Whole Foods and, you know, probably over a thousand locations between our three cities um, in St. Louis, Kansas City, and Chicago. Um, In addition, we work with conferences all over the United States. We have the weekly radio show that you are listening to tonight. We also have a weekly email newsletter letting um, our subscribers know when we... um, are online with the new magazine and who the radio show guests are and about other mind body spirit events happening all throughout the US and um, often into Canada so if you would like to be added to our email list uh, you have little benefits you will then know all of the different things that we're doing but in addition it's it's uh, amazing every time I go to the mailbox there's a new book or there's a new DVD or CD or tickets to different things and so we um, honor and um, appreciate our readers and so we um, we give away all kinds of things to all these different events so it's uh, worth your time to be part of the email list and we do not sell your name so it's sacrosanct if you would like to be added send an email to info info at spiritseeker.com and uh, just say please add me to your email list Okay, so that's pretty much it. Um, the um, the August, or I'm listening to me, the August, the October issue is almost finished. It's hard to believe that it is the middle of September and it's almost finished, but it is. Um, but right now, our September issue is online. Once again, www.spiritseeker.com. Okay, that's it for announcements. I am delighted to have um, Rebecca Freedom McClaskey, who is the author of Breakup Rehab, Create the Love You Want, Rebecca is a breakup specialist. She is a psychic. She has a master's degree in counseling um, psychology. She has a private practice that focuses on helping clients get what they want out of life and love. And you can find her website at www.rebekahfreedom.com. So at this point, I would like to bring Rebecca on. And Rebecca, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, Okay, great. So you have a lot of gifts, and um, I, I, you know, I think you're the first person who has said they're a therapist and an intuitive or a gifted psychic, and um, and then you have other gifts, and here you are um, with this private practice that is focusing on something that is one of the most painful things, you know, for so many people. Um, and, and, you know, people need help. And I think your book is very inspirational. So, you know, I'm going to let you tell the story. I, I've read a lot of it and, you know, um, but how is it, did you, in, when you studied to be a therapist, did you like just have this, innate uh, draw toward working with the relationships, the deeper meanings of relationships, or how did this all come to be, and then how is it that that then led um, to you writing this wonderful book? Okay, I can't hear you. You're cutting out. 
Can you hear me okay now? Okay, now I can. Now you're, yeah. you're perfect. Yeah. There. Okay. All right. Apologize for that. Yeah. Okay. So the. Um, let me see if I can find somewhere with a little bit better acoustic. Um, is that good? Is that better? Yeah, perfect, perfect. Okay. And I know I gave you a question Great. that you can go in so many different directions. It's kind of a, a yeah. five-point question. So you just start wherever, and I'll jump in occasionally. Sure, yeah. The, I mean, the journey to, to break up has been, you know, a long, a long, long road. Um, to to actually being able to write the book. So the reason, the core reason that I chose to focus on relationships um, after I got my master's in counseling was because um, actual death and dying grief work was too close to my heart because both my parents died in my 20s. My dad died when I was 20. My mom died when I was 27. And I just felt like I couldn't actually sit in that field and be effective. I would identify too much with my clients. So um, the next thing over <laughs> was relationships and breakup, where I was like, breakup is, it is a death, you know, it is a, it's a, it's a definitely transition period in our lives. So after, after school, my first job was as an addictions counselor. And that's what inspired me um, using the 12 steps from AA and adapting them to the relationship work I was doing. And um, I also joked that the, the first iteration of the book took three breakups um, and two years to write. <laughs> so, wow. um, so, yeah, so a, an amalgamation of um, personal experience and academic experience um, really, really helped me birth breakup rehab into the world. Well, and you had your own, you know, your own journey with this and on top of the other loss. I can't I cannot imagine, by the way, losing both parents in your twenties. I mean that's that's a that's a pretty big deal. Um, you know, to lose both parents. And, you know, my experience is one loss sometimes compounds and brings up other losses and then it gets really murky. Mhm. Definitely. And so um that that would be that would be so true because it's like my the the breakups that I went through like the successive breakups that I went through never was just like oh well I you know I was attached to this person and I'm sad because the story's not going to continue it was always just such acute and um, but acute pain that brought up that chronic pain and and that's when I just recognized I was like. I have gone through this journey myself. I've alchemized it. You know, I, I say that um, faith is what turns pain into wisdom. Uh-huh. And I certainly have had to lean heavily on my faith and my um, spiritual background to be able to, you know, traverse breakups and heartache and heartbreak. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's very interesting. Europe... Um, in my in my understanding, I've um, talked to a lot of different people from different countries, and uh, oftentimes they will stay married in name only to save face for the family. But mm-hmm. even if the marriage isn't working, um, they'll have they'll have other things outside the marriage, but they won't they won't embarrass the family. It's like the family comes first, and now the divorce rate is escalating in Europe. 
and they're not happy with that at all because they, you know, that's just not the way they do it. And um, so now they're leaning toward commitment ceremonies versus marriages because they don't like to have this divorce rate. So, you know, in your in your research and your experience and you're writing this book, um, and all of the different people that you know you you have worked with and are working with, do you feel that relationships have changed with the with the speeding up of technology and online dating and you know how do you feel that that, that all is influencing? Um, you know, sometimes people feel like they're in a relationship before they are because of the um, connection, shall we say? Well, I mean, it's a perfect question, and I would say uh, that. If, if technology is influencing our relationships, the short answer is yes. Obviously, one-third of people meet their spouses um, through a dating, dating site, Match.com or something else. Um, and, uh, and I joke that, like, another third of people meet their clinic from sleeping with a stranger because of app dating. Um, so, yes. but, uh, yeah, because we're just – we're um, – I think at the at the core of it, the genesis of a, genesis of a relationship, like um, the way a relationship begins, will be reflected by the way the relationship ends. So if you jump in with intensity um, or judgment, then you're gonna you're gonna see that break the relationship apart at the end. So to your to your point, we are just um, afraid of intimacy afraid of like actually being seen while desperately wanting to be seen, you know, and loved for who we truly are. But we don't really know who we truly are because we have a codependent culture, um, which, you know, this is just like an epidemic. So, so I think that the rise in divorces come from the, I guess, uh, two different things, I guess, a lack of skill set you know, of how to actually date and get to know a person because we're all just like shacking up right away. And, um, and also just like the epidemic of codependency. And I think that, that that is exacerbated by the speed of things because of technology. Well, and you know, there's a, there's another part that I think is playing out in this in that, you know, people who, um, got married at a very young age, and then, you know, the empty nest syndrome, oftentimes when people, uh, the kids go off to college, and all of a sudden the parents who have held it together, they're like, okay, that's enough. And um, and so then there they are, catapulted out into the singles world, and it's a whole different world today being single. Um, you know, for someone who got married at 18 and is now 50 years old and back out in the, in the arena, shall we say. I mean, you're, so, so you're just, I mean, we're basically talking about the arc of relationship, right? Getting into it, getting married, think, thinking it's going to be one thing, which most of us think, okay, we're done. This is forever, right? I, got, I found my person. Uh, and, and then it's dissolving and falling apart into the next thing, into the, what, what I call is, you know, relationship, a breakup is, the fertile void. It's the time when people can do one of two things. They can speed past it and just keep repeating the same old patterns over and over again, you know, because they're lonely, afraid, or as AA says, tired, uh, horny, hungry, tired. 
or right. a breakup can right. be a time. It can be a time where you really do take inventory and you actually really look at yourself and apply the principles that I write about in the book is um, trust your authentic self and grow forward, find your purpose and slow, like slow down, uh, slow down instead of speed up to the next relationship. So bringing in the 12 steps into um, mm-hmm. that you, you have offered in Breakup Rehab, and a lot of people are mm-hmm. familiar with the 12 steps, but some listeners will not be. Can you tell us about the very first step that you recommend after a breakup? Yeah, the very, the very first step is uh, let go and forgive. And um, this is obviously an adapt, a loose adaptation of uh, admit that you're powerless over your addiction, right? We have the first AA step or codependent step. So let go and forgive. And that is, that is something that is incremental. So as I say that to people, um, it's, you know, it's not like you just go from, well, by this end of that relationship, I'm going to let go and move on. We have layers and layers and layers of attachments and stories and um, self-criticism and negativity that, that gets worked through, uh, you know, as you're working the steps. And it's the first one, it really gets worked through as you're going through your breakup. You know, I like how um, you said that in, it, it says in your book, um, you say that readers will come to understand that what happens to you happens for you. And mm-hmm. I think this is pivotal in the understanding because so many people want to blame or, you know, um, they they have their cadre of friends who's like, oh, how could this person have done this to you and all this. So I really like how you reframe that to um, what happens to me happens for me I, I that's so empowering and maybe you can touch on that just a little bit in case readers are like what is she talking about forgive this person who is just a terrible person and look what that person did to me you know the whole the whole thing that goes along with that dance mm-hmm. it's so funny that you should pick that because I um, about a month ago I got broken up with so that was like literally I was quoting myself to myself. <laughs> that was the phrase I was <laughs> quoting was because there's, there's, a, there's a depth of surrender and a depth of faith in that saying, you know, there's a bigger plan for my life if I trust my higher power. Like I, I, I envisioned it working out this way, right? I saw it like this. We had the house, the home, the dog, the, you know, the kids, or, or I saw myself – traveling the world with this person, whatever your relational framework is, whatever your blueprint is, um, when that dissolves, you think this is not how it's supposed to be. And then, then you think I'm wrong or the world is wrong or the other person is wrong. And what I'm really offering in that phrase of what happens to you happens for you is that, um, the season that you're in in your life, the season of breakup, the season of, of uh, that relationship dissolving is exactly where you're supposed to be on your path. It's, it's, it's actually surrendering to there's, to there's a treasure chest and there's gifts and there's more that can come to you um, from and, – and this is the really big part of that, that phrase. Uh, we get 
we hope that all the good in our life, a lot of times, a lot of us feel like will come through a romantic relationship, you know, like I'll, I'll find my person and they will make me happy and I'll feel a lot of self-esteem and we'll go on adventures together. We'll create a family together. And a lot of good can come from that. But when we get so myopic about that being the only avenue it can come to, um, the phrase is really saying like, hey, what about your friends? What about your career? What about the things that light you up from the inside out? What about all the other ways that good is flowing to you? And even through your breakup, it's still happening. You know, Rebecca, with working with as many clients as you've worked with and, you know, just all of the, um, you know, exploring the the information to write this book, do you um, hear a resounding theme of when people get into a relationship, they kind of lose who they are and then, and then, I mean, and then they're like, oh, I, I haven't seen my friends. I've lost this. I've lost that. And then the part of the, the reentry and finding their, um, finding and trusting their authentic self is really part of the slowing it down to get to know who you really are. Cause you know, we're different after each encounter. Um, but, but what I have, what I have heard over and over again, um, with clients in my coaching practice is that they're like, you know, I changed, I changed to become who that person wanted me to be. And I lost who I was, I mean, over and mm-hmm. over. And, you know, it is fertile ground when, when there's a breakup because all of a sudden you're like, whoa, who am I? You know, so I mm-hmm. like how you uh, talk about with your second step of the uh, breakup rehab is to trust your authentic self. But I think I think a lot of people are like, what does that even mean? I don't know who I am. So can you talk mm-hmm. just a little bit about this whole self-discovery um, and getting to know that part and, and who you really are? Sure. I think one of the phrases that I loved uh, in my journeys that I came across is love is suicide because you never come out of it the same way that you went in. (laughs) You know, there is a, there is a part of you that inevitably um, is forever changed by whatever relationship you go into uh, naturally um, because different relationships will highlight both the light and dark of our personality you know, so um, to the to the effect of the authentic self, that that self, the essence of who you truly are, um, is the part of you that sort of is the observer, the observer of of your. Let's say you get in a relationship with somebody who uh, is demanding of you, so you show up a little bit more subservient, right? Um, and and that's sort of what shows up. Uh, a lot of us think, we begin to think, well, that's who I am. I'm just a, a passive person. The authentic self looks down at you and says, no, that's a part of how you are. That's a behavior. That's not, that's not who you truly be, right? It's, it's an option amongst, amongst many options because the same person that is um, a little bit more passive in one relationship could get into another relationship and find themselves being more of a dominant person. And I think that we often confuse like the parts of our personality for who we actually are. I think that's very true. I think, you know, I think when we define ourselves by our career and then all of a sudden the career is taken away, we lose our job or whatever. I mean, how many people just do a total like freak out because 
that's their whole world, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and you see it again when people retire and they just really don't have a plan and all of a sudden, you know, there's this empty space and, and they don't know what to do with it. And I think I, I love how over and over again in this book um, that you have created for all of us, you just bring it back to, um, you know, facing your fears, you know, getting to know yourself again. And um, I don't know if I like your suicide part, but I get what you're saying. It's a very strong word to say, but there is, yeah, it's like a passageway is another no, a better way it. to say I it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fire walk. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, but, but let's let's just, you know, let's, okay, I just want you to, wherever you want to start, to help people figure out, like, how to take this terrible thing that has happened and turn it around. And um, you have so many different tools in this book and different vantage points that you've come from. So I'm going to, you know, we talked a little bit about the the forgiveness and, um, and now, you know, getting to know who your authentic self is and that may be different than who you thought you were um, before this incident happened. Um, And then, stepping into making wise decisions about your life, especially when you're in a grieving spot. So wherever you want to go with that. Yeah. So one, one of the greatest tools um, here, uh, there's a saying, if you think you're going slow, go slower (laughs) because that's where the magic really lies. It's just um, because after a breakup, if you're, and again, there's a distinction between the person who is broken up with, the one who was dumped versus the one who initiated the breakup, the dumpy. And um, even if in a mutual breakup, there'll be some, so the person who does the dumping tends to feel more guilt afterwards, tends to do a little bit more second guessing, um, can be ambivalent. The person, but most of the time, the person who ended the relationship had been considering ending it for quite some time, you know, so they've already begun the grieving process. They've already thought about what their life is going to look like. And then when the person who is dumped, which the book leans just a little bit more towards that person, um, the shock of that, because they were envisioning their life with this person and, and, you know, building it together, tends to be, they want to fix it. They want to come back and they want to do the repair. They want to try harder. Um, Sometimes people will try to make the other person jealous or they'll go cold. So what I would, what I would say is really, um, in the the beginning of the healing process is to just, uh, I think, honor each other and um, try, and again, try to initiate at least 30 days of no contact where you just, I mean, no matter how compulsive you feel or how much you want to reach out. And as I say that, I recognize there's people that are co-parenting, there are a lot of exceptions to that rule where you do have to stay in contact with your person. Um, but if you, if you can have, if you can really take that time for yourself to heal and you, and you literally have to detox, that's a detoxification time. It's um, because love is intoxicating. So it's a time for your system to like release that person from your body to start to come back to self. And, and during that period of time, it's not just like, okay, no contact and just be obsessive. <laughs> like, when are they coming right. back? When are they coming back? Which is what all the websites kind of tend to point to is like how to get your ex back. And, and the reunion story is somehow has become this like romantic story, you know, and 
whatever. It's true, so, though. It's true. I mean, yeah. you'll you'll hear of clients saying, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and then they beat themselves up. They're like, oh, this is why, you know, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. It didn't work because I did this and this, and now I'm I'm going back and I'm becoming like I used to be, and then I know this person's going to love me again. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. That's not what this is about, mm-hmm. you know. Like, you know, once yeah. again, you're going to morph into what someone, and this is the codependent part, you know. Our society mm-hmm. is a very codependent society. Um, mm-hmm. So I I like that 30 days of no contact, if at all possible. I mean, I, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and and during those 30 days, um, any time that you want to text, reach out, you know, get on Facebook. First, the very first thing you do is block the Facebook account or block any social media accounts you have from that person. Not, not, I mean, I, I've certainly been guilty of blocking, unblocking, then blocking again, but like that might happen depending on the depth of crazy that you're plunged into after your breakup, you know, because you're, you are coming off a high. So you're naturally, your behavior is going to be erratic. It's not going to be this smooth thing. But I would say get off of social media accounts, block them to the, the, the degree you can. And anytime you want to text or anything like that, get in your journal. Like, and actually, I really encourage people to keep a journal during their, their relationship too because it will provide you clues. You'll, you'll go back and you'll be like, yeah, I didn't really like it that he worked all night and came home super late and exhausted. That actually didn't fit me. But I, I made it work because I loved him right? But you're like, long run, I think that probably wasn't a good fit. And that's a really inert example. Um, So get in your journal, uh, make sure that you have either a support group, or uh, which I encourage people to get breakup rehab and start their own support groups in their living room, (laughs) you know, with people, people that are of like minded, get your friends on board, Um, make sure that you're I, I know there's a paralysis that can come with breaking up. So do the very best to just even go for a walk. Just the smallest movements are a win, you know, getting up and showering. <laughs> can be a big I, step. I understand. Days. I understand. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. and you know, this is the whole thing, you know, bears know in the winter to go into the cave and hibernate. And when spring mm-hmm. comes out, they come out and, you know, tradition or historically, um, in our society, people, you know, look at the the pain uh, pain pill uh, epidemic we have right now. People don't want to feel pain, and so mm-hmm. I really like how your book addresses um, addiction. You know, and like really mm-hmm. look at your addictions and what are you doing to cope, and what what you know what maybe started out as something that was helpful is now full blown, just like running you rather than you running it, and. Um, mm-hmm. And I think people do a lot to avoid pain. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything, because, um, and I just want to say because we're animals, because we're like in the sense that we're in bodies, right? And our bodies are wired for, uh, for, for survival. And I say, I go over that in the book over and over and over again, right? So our higher minds are like, I'm fine. Everything is fine. But our um, our bodies are like this is not okay. Pain is not okay. You're you're gonna. This is a big. This is a problem. Um, so, yeah. The I say in the book, it's not pain itself that's the issue. It's the avoidance of pain that that creates the the, the issue. And um, 
there's lots of ways to avoid it. <laughs> you know, yes. drugs, alcohol, social media, a new relationship, a new a new object, whatever. Pick your poison. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about your mantra of be brave, try again. Mm. I When I was writing that part, I was like, I know, I know for the mind that, um, you know, when you're, I would say breakup is an injury, right? <laughs> so I knew that part was going to be a little tricky because some people could be like, oh, does she mean, you know, try again with my ex and try to make it work? And it really, it really is a sense of, of that some people just give up on life after after the breakup they just are like i they i hate women i hate men <laughs> i can't i uh yeah can you hear me okay yes no i'm i'm right yeah. there with you yeah 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 so so being brave really is to say i i will go through this you know i will take my 30 days i will journal I won't reach out to my ex. I will feel my feelings. That's brave. That's so brave. That's so courageous. That's being able to get in touch with your heart. And and after the injury repairs, you do come back stronger. And in that place, you bring the new awareness you have from this, you know. And I'll give an example. Um, I definitely jumped into my last relationship. And my awareness now is that it's good to take time, like two months, time to go on dates with somebody maybe don't go to bed with them the first night (laughs) you have to learn that uh through the pain of the breakup and the bravery to make it through that period of time and then try again right well and you know this is part of the instant uh, society that we're living in. You know, we just want to rush into it. And, you know, historically men remarry much faster than women because they just, um, I mean, but it's kind of our society too. You know, my, my girlfriend's a bridge player and she, uh, she, she met her husband uh, through bridge. And I, I remember asking her one time, I'm thinking about learning Mahjong or bridge. And I can't, I can't decide which one. And she said, well, are you wanting to meet guys? I'm like, what does that have to do with it? And she said, mm-hmm. well, Mahjong, are you gonna, all you're going to meet is a bunch of women. Whereas if you go to bridge, that's where I've met my last two husbands. And, it's really true. She told me that whenever there's a guy in Bridge who either gets divorced or is recently widowed, every single woman is after him because, hmm. you know, I mean, he's a bridge player and, you know, he's one of, you know, that's something in common, et cetera. And I just kind of laughed because it certainly doesn't work that way when a woman gets divorced. A lot of times a woman is no longer welcomed where it's couples, um, you know, whereas there's a tendency to try and fix up men, I think, a little bit more. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but, but you know, part of what you're suggesting is not just jumping in, taking some time to get to know who you are, finding out who you, because, you know, you are different. Anytime you have an experience or a relationship, you come out differently. No matter, it, it doesn't even matter if it was a three-month, three-week, it really, um, mm-hmm. when you're living full out and playing full out, it, it, my experience mm-hmm. is that you can accomplish a whole lot in a very short time. It's very, it's very true. And, uh so to the point about men after a breakup and women after a breakup, and 
um, that looking that looking differently. I would say that men, um, classically in society, are allowed two two major emotions, which is anger or arousal. <laughs> That's to dominance through sexual, you know, sexualization, arousal. They're like the dominant male or, or anger, just like you see that, you know, obviously in our sports or football or, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, that be, I mean, that's a very big generalization. Obviously guys cry. They have a lot of bonding with their bros uh, and their, their f- deep friendships as well. Um, they want intimacy just as much, if not more than women. Um, and conversely, women, we are allowed to talk about our feelings and post about it and get on forums about it and, you know, emote like crazy, a a lot of emoting, so much talking. Um, so to the point of, uh, that level of communication actually provides women with a more sense of security in themselves and, um, and guys, again, this is a generalization, and I go over this in the book to a degree, um, that jump back into a relationship, it's, it's an insecurity. I will say that across the board. It's just, again, I'm going to point back to codependency, like, or, um, or sex, you know, or sex and love addiction, which I mentioned in the book, is that we just don't feel whole. We're looking for something to rescue us outside of ourselves. We actually don't know who we are or how we feel. We need an outside source to make that happen. We confuse sex with intimacy. Um, and we think that people can't take care of themselves. So we'll be altruistic fixers, you know, well, let me get in a relationship. So I have a sense of worth and, uh, and the way that people pair up after a breakup says everything about, I think their level of security in themselves. I think that's very true. I think, um, you know, especially when you've had children, I think um, it's a little bit different, but not necessarily. I mean, there's still still the the there's still all the feelings you have to go through. But when you've had children, and then uh, you know, then you're out there dating again. I think for the custodial parent, it's a little more challenging. Mm-hmm. It really mm-hmm. is, and. Um, and you know, then you then you go through the thing of do you introduce this person to your children? There's just so many layers of um, mm-hmm. you know not wanting to wound your child, you know, and uh, you know, there's just there's just so much to this. And I really like mm-hmm. how in your book you talk about um, step four. I'd like to go there next. Uh, face your fears with love. How can we bring love to our fears? Because so much of uh, the woundedness is is what drives the fear, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know, in a relationship again, and then there's another loss because you haven't really figured this whole thing out of how to how to really face your fears with love. Mm-hmm. Well, to the point of the complicated layers of being a, a parent, you know, single parent. Um, I would say that that's a really great time to to have the values and priorities conversation with whoever you begin to date, right? Um, like, well, what are your priorities? Like, if that person's priority is career over family, you're going to want to look at that. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. Um, if, their, if their priority is world travel, 
versus creating a home, you're going to want to look at that. And, and your values go into things like uh, your religious beliefs, like one person, you could both be talking about spirituality, but one person could be talking about doing like ayahuasca and the other person could just be talking about doing meditation. Looks very different. Same label, very different. So, right. so I think and in that sense of facing your fears, um, in that sense of like kind of taking inventory of yourself and being like, hmm, what are the stories that I have? What's my, what's my inner critic really saying? What voice did I, uh, you know, buy into as a child? That I have, I have a lot of clients. I have a lot of clients who were really raised in the, um, the idea that they don't have authority over their lives, right? That their voice doesn't matter, that their viewpoint is not rele- relevant. Um, and this comes from parents that were neglectful, smothering, abandoning, um, all the things that create, you know, anxious attachment <laughs> issues. So just the way that we the way that we face our fears is to again slow down. Um, therapy certainly helps. Like I I've gone back to therapy several times, and it just it's just such a gentle hand to. And again, not all therapists are created equal. I've been to therapists that just were like, "Here's a breathing technique," and I was like, mm, "Great, thanks for nothing." And then I've been to Naropa trained therapists, which I'll give a shout out to my alma mater, alma mater, alma my, my old college, I could say, that are really um, trained in mindfulness based practices. Um, so if you if you don't go to therapy, another way to face your fears with love is to learn how to meditate, learn how to to observe the the, the feelings and thoughts that rise and fall inside of you instead of just being like a reed in the wind that's just like thrown about by whatever, you know, emotion comes up. Right. Well, mindfulness, you know, it's it's interesting that there are senators now doing it in the Senate. You know, I mean, and, you know, being a publisher of a magazine for 20 years that deals with mind, body, and spirit, you know, mm-hmm. I get so many questions. What is this mindfulness? What And, and I'm like, it's just another way of approaching slowing it down you know like being mm-hmm. present you know we we've you know we have the power of now or be love now ram das i mean we've you know it goes back in so many different ways but you know one of my favorite books uh all time is by gerald jampolsky love is letting go of fear and um mm. i love how he says there's never been a movie made um that doesn't have a, you know reshooting of scenes you know you look at the rushes at the end of the day and you're like oh this is good but gosh the lighting was just a little bit off or this was a little bit off and they don't reshoot the whole movie they just go in and they reshoot that scene they added out what they didn't you know wasn't perfect and they splice in the new uh scene so that the movie is is as they you know envisioned and you know mm-hmm. gerald jampolsky you know he's with attitudinal healing works with the kids with cancer and all these other things and you know he says you no one's got a perfect life you know we all have stories or parts of it that we wish were different but rather than dwelling on the painful or whatever, you just, you know, you you look at it, you lick your wounds, you you look at it, and you edit it out and splice in how you would have liked to it to to 
have been, not in a denial or delusional way, but in a, okay, so let me learn from this so that next time I recognize faster, you know, when I'm not living authentically, I'm compromising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, uh, to that to that point, as far as like living authentically and, um, and like reframing your, your experience, one of the questions I really like to ask myself is, well, what else is possible? And instead of having a fixed point of view, well, this is what happened and this is the only way it can happen forever and always, the black and white thinking that happens during a breakup, just simply asking the question, well, what else is possible? And how in the world does it get better than this? Just just send that out to the universe, and then all of a sudden you'll have a new awareness that might say, like, well, go for a walk or clean your house. And and then it's ushering this new energy, this energy of renewal into your life. Anytime you ask what else is possible, it's, it's quickening the healing. Right. Right. And um, so I do want to talk about, um, because you, you talk about judgments and responding with compassion, like examine your own judgments. And, you know, your parents are your first teachers, and a lot of times we're not even aware of what judgments are in there. And it, it's ancient. It goes, goes back really far. And so I like how you have a whole chapter on examining your judgments and responding with compassion, and then you segue after that into practicing humility and gratitude. Um, mm-hmm. So, And then, you know, after that, the next chapter for you know is overcoming pride and growing forward. So, you know, whichever one you want to jump in with it, you don't have to necessarily do one before the other because there's a lot of information in these three chapters. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, what I want to say is there the there's this mechanism that happens. It's like this implosion that happens after a breakup is the wrongness of us. If you're the person who's doing the breakup, you could be like, how could I be so stupid to attract the same type of person, you know, or um, I mean, if you have a heart <laughs> at all, some people, some people are able to just, you know, jump from one relationship to the other and not really feel. But if you feel any of that, we can think, oh, I was so stupid. Or then if you get broken up with, you can think like, wow, you know, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? There's something that I have a fatal flaw of some sort. And we go about the business of fixing it and spending hours reading articles on the internet. That is also why I wrote this book to save people from the hours of internet searching at three in the morning, being like, what's the answer? Just read breakup rehab. And, and also to save people's friends who have heard about their breakup at nauseam. Now they can just buy them a book and be like, here, <laughs> well, you know, there Great. is this we book, how to, Sur- how to Survive the Loss of a Love. I mean, it's a classic, and it talks about how one call from you, uh, like, you know, talking about the person who has hurt them, one call from you takes three layers of the onion that I have just rebuilt, and now I have to start all over again. You know, and it's like, yeah. you know, the, but, but your yeah. book is like present time. I mean, that book was written in the early 70s. Your book mm-hmm. is like present time with, Anyone who picks up this book, it's a classic, can understand it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for saying that. I really, I mean, it it, it came, obviously, as an artist and, and writing being my medium, a lot of it was just being open to what spirit had to say. It was really just saying, like, what is going to be in the service of this very tender moment in people's lives, you know? And that also going through the filter 
of of my life experience, which is dynamic and dimensional and <laughs> lots, you know, um, cut clear, color clarity kind of thing to be able to deliver those parts about judgment and compassion and humility and those pieces and gratitude. And um, those are the, so here's, here's a real thing that happens. We, when we are with somebody and we found that somebody, we start to feel whole. We're just like, yes, finally, <laughs> I made it. Yep. <laughs> I can just be, I'm just, the rest of life is going to work out because I got this person who gets me. Feels great. Feels like relief. Uh, but inevitably, <laughs> inevitably, there's disagreements and the power struggle that comes up where you start to be like, what? I wanted them to be the perfect parent and lover and caregiver, <laughs> and they are failing. <laughs> so right. some people are able to get the skills to work that out, and some people just break up and just keep going forward. So um, to that point, to that point when I say um, judgments are really the edge of our awareness, that's where we're like, I'm not growing past this point. This is how I was raised. This is how it's supposed to be. If you don't do it like this, then you're wrong, and I'm right, and bye. Compassion offers a lot more space for a person to evolve and grow because you look at somebody and you're like, me too. I felt sad. I felt not good enough. I felt exuberant and joyful. I felt prideful. I felt the, the darkness, and I felt the light. Me, me too. That's, like, that's the real seed of compassion. And, um, and to that point, uh, I really think compassion is one of the key ingredients to having a successful long-term relationship, or, you know, to, to helping to heal those wounds of codependency that lead you in and out of one relationship to the next, to the next, to the next. Yeah. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. Right. Right, But I love the word compassion. I think compassion is one of the, uh, it's like magical. When you look at it, it means passionate about compassion. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a root word. And, you know, you look at Kuan Yin, you know, the Bodhisattva of, of compassion. And, you know, she says you have to love yourself first and pour that compassion, you know, give that compassion to yourself first before you extend it out to others because otherwise you know, you're just always outward focused and then you're, you know, you get drained. You actually get drained when, Mm -hmm. and so many people are, you know, they've been validated through that giving to others, giving to others. It's, you know, that's their self-worth and they, they've never really learned how to be compassionate toward themselves. Mm -hmm. I I just such, and and just like, I'm just going to sprinkle this in, excuse me, to say that, not only have I been a student of love and relationship for as long as I knew about love and relationship, but I've also been just a student of life. Like, what, why are we here and what are we doing? <laughs> what, what's it all about, Alfie? I'm giving my yeah. age away, but, but really, what's it all about? What's it all about, Alfie? You know, there has yeah, to be more than yeah. digging the ditch to making the money to buy you the food, to give you the strength to dig in the yeah. ditch. And, you know, I mean, and that's yeah. that part. But, you know, but then the relationship, you know, and, and you know, and, and I think people who have raised children, 
and that was the glue that kept them together even when everything else didn't work. And then all of a sudden there they are looking at each other going, oh, now what do we do? You know, like the kids are gone. And I think that's why so many relationships end when the kids go to college. It's like, okay, we did it. We survived it. Mm-hmm. Now let's get on with it. Mm-hmm. To, to, to that point, to that point about relationships, um, they hold, I mean, obviously where the, life perpetuates life. It just, you know, we want, we have the impetus to have children and um, the spring comes every year after the winter and new trees are sprouted and life, life continues, right? Life begets life. So there's this, there's this forward motion um, that, that happens and, and we are all sort of sorting our way, (laughs) sorting our way through it and, and I write about destiny in the book. It was a big one to tackle. It was to say, like, you know, uh, I, I'm of the belief that each human, each, each, each person who's here is a contribution. Just like there are liver cells in the body and heart cells in the body and skin cells in the body, you know, uh, I think of myself as a white blood cell because when there is pain or affliction, I rush in. <laughs> I rush into yep. it, not and you not feel. away from it. Yeah, and and that each of us has a unique sort of marker and destiny, and and sometimes that sometimes that includes um, a lifelong journey with a partner who will walk with you and evolve and grow with you. And uh, sometimes it means multiple breakups. It looks it looks different for every one of us. The contracts are not always lifetime contracts. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you know, and and when you get that, you know, I mean, it it it's a different dance when you get that. Not everything. I mean, you know, I remember studying when I was working on one of my degrees about how um, in Japan they had lifetime employment. You know, you, you knew that you were going to be with this company and you'd be there forever. Well, that's gone, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, they say that in, in America now they say that um, most people have three to four different employers within a career. Like let's just say you stay in the same career. There's very few people who work for the same company for 50 years anymore. It's like, that's something you know that that is in the past and so you know it's all navigating it's all vibrational like as you change you know sometimes the 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 relationship just doesn't it doesn't stay but I really Mm -hmm. I I do like how you did address like are you the levy as a traditional person are you the person who waits to be left you know and Mm -hmm. and the, the different feeling that goes with that um you know, Rebecca, if you would, I want you to talk about if uh, this this whole deal about the ability to wield magic and how that mm. tapping into that energy of possibility and magic. Like, can, you already mentioned alchemy a little bit earlier in a different context, but if you could just bring all that in, um, because I think that that's the beautiful part of renavigating life. Yeah, absolutely. So as far as um, wielding uh, magic, uh, and that's just that's just a, a point of power in ourselves to be empowered, um, has everything to do on a practical level with the stories we're telling ourselves and the words that we're repeating to other people. 
Um, I think that going through a breakup, it's very easy to have victim language. Um, he did this to me. I can't believe they would, you know, be such a cheater. She was such a bitch, <clears throat> whatever that is, will keep you stuck in that same energy. And, and magic has, you know, they call it, they call it spelling, like putting symbols together to create a word um, in the same way that we cast a spell. So I write about how our word is our wand. <clears throat> so the first thing, the very first thing you do after a breakup, if you really um, want to construct a new possibility for yourself, is be so disciplined with your words. To be very disciplined with what you say, who you say it to, how you say it, and to come back to your core desired feeling. You know, I, I want to feel uh, joyful. I, and we won't. You won't for a while. You'll feel hurt and, and pain, and you'll go through the stages of grief. But wielding magic and really... Um, stepping into a new layer, a new part of you has everything to do with your disciplining, right speech, right speech, right action, right thought. Mm-hmm. It's um, and, and that's where the magic is, like understanding mm-hmm. that life is fertile and you can change it just like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to say to the speak to the reunion story because I certainly know that I have a um, penchant towards that. When someone breaks up with me, the first thing I think of is like how we're going to fix it, make it better, and get back together stronger than before. <laughs> and um, ultimately, what I've really seen is the same relationship happens if I don't change, right? If, and and I would say successively through my life, the men that I've dated have. Um, have been better and better each time um, as far as I feel uh, more of a match with them, more of a shared values. Uh, The relationships haven't worked out because it's taken me a very long time to address my own codependency. (laughs) I understand. I do. Yeah, a long time to look at it and look and face it and be like, oh, you know, maybe when I go into a relationship and I go into fixing mode, that doesn't make the first right. person feel loved. It makes them feel like uh, not enough. And right. Yeah. 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 My old pattern was to fall in love with potential. And then I, yeah. of course, put all the energy in, you know, letting that, you know, helping that person be successful. And it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, or, or finding, helping them find their passion like forgetting about my passion and mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, that's part of that codependent wanting to make someone else's world wonderful. I want I want to mention your website. You have so many nice, um, uh, you have a blog and some of the articles on the blog are five reasons we break up or secure or insecurity, screwing up your relationship, how to find your person. Um, there are testimonials. There's information on the book. There is um, the relationship services and products. Um, anything else you want to add about any upcoming, anything that you're offering? Sure. Yeah. So I bring so much to the table when it comes to really supporting people through the transition of breakup. Of course, I have my traditional masters in counseling and I can guide people 
through um, the modalities that I've learned, mindfulness training, but I'm also intuitive. And so I can watch the energy of people's choices. And in, in doing that, I have an example of a client who um, got out of a relationship, was terrified to try this new relationship, but because I watched the energy on it, um, is now married a year later to the love of his life. And he was married for 36 years in a really caustic marriage. And so, um, so I, offer, I offer a lot to, and bring a lot to the table when it comes to guiding people through this transition, uh, midwifing them, if you will, into their new uh, and bright and shiny lives. Mm-hmm. Well, and I want to mention the website. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And um, the other thing, too, is I teach people how to use essential oils for their breakup because um, they help so much with not being able to sleep, not being able to eat, all the stress levels, those things as well. So, yeah, just I bring I Perfect. bring it all I bring that in the kitchen sink. <laughs> yeah, it takes a village to raise a kid. It takes a lot to heal a broken heart. Yeah. You know, it's like Absolutely. and it is a wonderful opportunity how you you know to to go forward in a whole new way. Okay, so the website is www.rebeccafreedom.com and that is spelled R E B E K A H freedom.com and there's lots of resources there and um you know i would recommend this book it's it's kind of a go-to book because um you know who doesn't know someone who's breaking up you're you're there's these Mm -hmm. different relations different phases and um i don't know but rebecca i just can't thank you enough i i you're doing great work and we teach what we mostly need to learn and you're so authentic i just love how you're like yeah i just was broken up with you know and guess what you know Mm -hmm. i figured some things out and instead of one month i'm giving myself two months you know but then Mm -hmm. here's this guy this client you just talked about who had been in a 30 something year old you know 36 year old dysfunctional marriage and then one year later he's found this great love you know and it's like Mm -hmm. that's the magic that's the magic of Mm -hmm. infinite possibility if you're willing to like take the time to pause and get to know yourself again and and heal things you know but oh thank Mm -hmm. you so much for being my guest and um and um Listeners, there's an article in the September issue of Spirit Seeker uh, by Rebecca, www.spiritseeker.com. Okay, so thank you so much, and good luck with your journey, and um, I will be telling people about your book. It's a great book. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Okay. Okay, thank you again. All right, good night, everyone, mm-hmm. and we'll be back on the air in two weeks. Okay, thanks so much. Good night. Boom.